Welcome back to Illini Weekly. I hope you're gearing up for the final Illini Weekly of the 2017, gearing up for New Year's Eve, start over New Year's for 2018. Uh, we'll start over for the Illinois football program. New offensive coordinator will be coming to town. Just who that is, we don't know. They announced officially that they have released Garrick McGee, from who relieved him of his duties, rather. Which it comes at a really interesting time because not but a week and a half ago, it sounded like you know the coaching staff was pretty much in place to come back. Mark, what on earth are you hearing? Why now? What, what's going on here? Well, why now is um, simply because they they were trying to hold their staff together until the early signing period concluded. Because you don't want to terrify a kid that you've been recruiting. You're also being a little disingenuous to him in my opinion as well, because you're sort of like MJ Rivers, the quarterback from Texas. He's sort of operating under the belief that Garrick McGee is going to be his coordinator. And then the very next day, you know, and I don't think Lovey went to bed that night and didn't and then woke up the next morning and thought, oh, I think I'll just fire Garrick. You know, he knew what he was going to do. And um, the, the, the Paul Williams one doesn't surprise me. That was a, a Bill Cubitt hire. I didn't see any evidence where um, he was doing any difference-making recruiting. Um, but Garrick McGee surprised me a little bit in that Lovey and him have a relationship that goes back to when he was a little kid and Lovey was recruiting uh, Booker T. Washington High School in Tulsa where Garrick McGee's dad was the coach. Lovey recruited Garrick McGee to Arizona State. I mean, they go back a long, long ways. And, and when Lovey called, uh, the weight of that phone call was enough for Garrick McGee to resign his position and take a pay cut to come to Illinois. And um, so you wonder what all went wrong. And I know people, you know, some people will say, well, look at their offense. It wasn't any good. Well, who, who on earth was going to turn <laughs> that collection into a really, really efficient offense? I, I maintain nobody could have done that. Not with their quarterbacks, not with their incredible number of freshmen that were playing, including 80% of your offensive line. So, um, and yes, I, I thought some of the play calling was head-scratching as well, particularly on third down. But were there other things? Were there um, off-field things? Was there, was there conflicts there? Was uh, was he not carrying out directives that Lovey was giving him? Was was Lovey saying, "Look, you know, we're going to play this team this week, and I really want us to um, run the ball, you know, seventy percent of the time in the first quarter," and 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 he just didn't do. He ignored it. You know, I don't know. You know, yeah. but those are the kind of things that that you know can get a coach. A little riled up. Um, so, um, or, or were there other things? I don't know. Um, and Lovey is the least <laughs> informative guy in the world. I mean, he just doesn't tell anybody anything. So, you know, will it eventually come out? Maybe uh, bits and pieces. You know, but in the meantime, they're looking for a new coordinator, and it's really a big hire. It's a, it's an important hire, not only in terms of a play caller. That's important, um, but a, a quarterback teacher. A guy who can bring some direction to that offense um, and can get them some kind of an identity. You know, it's I don't know what the identity is. Defensively, the identity we know because of Lovey's history with the Bears is we want to be a take the ball away defense. Okay, offensively, I don't know. Three and out, punt. <laughs> you know, that was their identity this last year, and, and I don't think they want that to be their identity. And this guy needs to be a dynamic recruiter. Um, and so all of those things make this an important hire. You know, when it happened, uh, I thought about Ron Turner right away, and not very seriously, but Lovey and Ron Turner, 
you know, Ron Turner's the reason Lovey has this job. Right. Josh Whitman asked him, and he pointed him Lovey's direction. Uh, Lovey was, uh, excuse me, Ron was Lovey's offensive coordinator with the Bears. Uh, Ron was a former head coach that, uh, at Illinois. Ron and his wife, Wendy, like champagne. Ron's a part owner in Jarling's Custard Cup, you know, um, the the soft serve ice cream place in town. Um, but Ron is in his 60s. I don't think, I, I thought when Ron left, when, when Ron Gunther made the change, I thought that he had sort of lost his energy for recruiting. Um, I don't. I can't imagine that Ron has wants to get back in the recruiting game. The coaching game, yes. The recruiting game, no. I don't see. I don't see that. Now maybe Lovey sees something different. Pep Hamilton's a name that comes up because Lovey had a connection with him with the Bears, and he's been around, and he works with quarterbacks. Um, I don't know enough about him personally to, under, to understand what the chemistry might be between those two guys there, but. Um, it's an important it's an important hire, and they need to get it done quickly because spring training is going to start that first week in March, and um, and and you know they they want to hit the ground running and and get this taken care of. And there's more recruiting to be done, mm-hmm. and there's recruiting for next year to be done. So it's uh, it's one of the biggest uh, moves Lovey's gotten this off season. And if it turns out well, it could be great. Yeah, this you know, a lot hinges on this hire and. You especially you mentioned identity. You want to tell recruits what you're going to be on offense. Nobody Definitely wants to do. come in figure, trying to and figure it out on the And here's the other thing. Garrick McGee loved Cam Thomas, okay? Yep. He recruited Cam Thomas. I don't know how this guy's going to feel about Cam Thomas. I can tell you they feel pretty good about MJ Rivers from everything uh, that's every, coming out Everybody of seems to think that's correct. Obviously, Lovey has to hire a coordinator who feels good about working with dual-threat quarterbacks. You're not going to hire a guy who comes in and decides all of a sudden Jeff George is what you want, (laughs) and you've wasted these recruiting slots on these other people. So, you know, it's an important position. That's the bottom line, and it's an important position to get filled pretty urgently. And um, and and now it becomes really one of the best storylines of the spring, so. you know, I, along with the advancement of Cam Thomas and some of these other couple early enrollees that they got. But to see this guy's um, fingerprints on on the offense, on the team, what kind of a guy is he? What kind of a personality is he? Um, Garrick McGee, whether you liked him or not, was um, as close to a personality as they have on this coaching yeah, staff. Yeah. He was informative. He was interesting to talk to. He would talk the game. He would talk about his players. Um, some people might say, well, that's not important. But um, somebody on this staff has to be a, a, a kind of a spokesman. And it would be nice if, if this <laughs> new offensive coordinator was that person. But in the end, it will be nice if they can get an offense that moves the ball. I, I, look, it's, this, it's your three. And it's year two after playing all these freshmen. I think it's fair to expect five or six wins. I think it's fair to expect five wins I think so. um, from this group with the improvement you would hope to get from these kids that they invested in as freshmen. They're going to be better. You've got a quarterback that's learned a lot. Um, and you've, and you've. I think in Lovey's mind, there's addition by subtraction. He's gotten some people out of the program that he did not think were buying in or were fits. You know, and I don't mean that they were horrible people or disruptive or anything, but he just didn't think they were. They matched yeah, up with what he. You've got to have a direction, and you've yeah. got to have everybody going. Uh, real quick, you talked recruiting. I think this was a pretty good recruiting class for Illinois. I know twelfth in the Big Ten and whatever they are nationally. I think probably low forties, maybe very uh, into the fifties, maybe. That number is out there somewhere, depending on what you look at. But this was a two and nine team. 
people weren't lining up and beating the door in to get into Champagne, and they came out and they did a very good job. They got the, I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name. They got Friday from IMG Academy. Right. They, um, the big big offensive line, and, and I'm drawing a blank, I'm drawing the blank on his name. Been, I watched um, his signing, but that that was huge. And he, he was the centerpiece. He is the centerpiece. You don't remember his name, but he was the centerpiece of this class. I think getting those guys, and they don't pay a lot of attention to stars, but this is not a team that kids were looking to come to. They want to come and start something. I think that speaks volumes. Good recruiting class. What do you think of the early signing room? Well, we're, we're talking about Virtus Brown. There we go. And um, and Calvin Avery, the other one out of Texas, you know, two what could be foundation pieces on your defensive line, assuming Virtus Brown stays on the defensive line. Lovey's going to start him out there. Um, I, I, I can't make a judgment on this class. I can make a judgment on Virtus Brown and Calvin Avery. Those are good gets. Mm-hmm. But um, just like last year, I th- I couldn't make a judgment on this class until we saw them right. in in, uh, f- in fall training camp, and um, and we were we were really surprised at that this class was better by some distance than what we thought right. or were led to believe. Um, that's what they need to have happen with this group, with these eighteen kids, and they may add a few more right. between now and February. So um, I like some of the the bigger pieces they got. I think that it, it sounds like. They really got fortunate on Rivers yeah. to, to get him early and then to hold his interest despite the fact that other schools were coming. Early signing paid off for him, Jay They Rivers. got very fortunate on Virtus Brown yep. that Florida State underwent a coaching change. Yeah. Um, they went they were they were you know, they really have they've really done a good job in Florida and in Texas. Yep. And they've not done as good a job here in Illinois and in although you could say Virtus Brown was a Chicago kid because he started out there, but but um, I think they're gonna that's where they they're gonna have to win ball games in order to impact this state. You're going to have to prove to these kids that, hey, what we're talking about works, you know, and that's why this year is important. I think it's really important for them to win five games. This is a huge year. Uh, let's get to basketball here. Saturday, last Saturday was bragging rights, and if you were upset with the Illinois basketball program or it was developing a little slower than you had hoped, watch that first half a hundred times on replay. That was as precise, as crisp, and as aggressive a first half as you're going to see. We were there, Mark. I mean, the, the energy was, I mean, just, it was almost a tangible energy in the building. It, it was a great environment. The yeah. first half, they led by 20 at halftime. Second half is a different ball game, but boy, they look good in that first half. It was the best half I've seen an Illinois basketball team play in a long while. And um, in fact, I was sitting courtside, and you could see facial expre- expressions. And I, I admit that I'm reading into what I'm seeing, but um, I'll do that anyhow. Um, uh, there was a, a one time in particular where uh, Jeremiah—it happened to be Jeremiah Tillman—was facing me and trying to get the ball in the post and trying to pass the ball out of the post and trying to—and and. and they were turning the ball over and then turning it over and then turning it over. And he looked at one of his teammates and he just kind of, his expression said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's not many places for me to throw the ball. There's not any place for me to pass the ball. They've got every lane blocked. You know, they're denying everything here. You know, uh, they were frustrated. And when you get a team, and that's a good team, when, when you get a team frustrated like that, Boy, things are going well for you, and they had them thoroughly frustrated for that entire first half. Now, they didn't play as well in the second half, and Missouri predictably had a response. Sure, they yeah. played better, but um, I just, you know, it was an important game. Um, I think for the fans and for the coaches, but I think it was really important game for the players who who needed to 
kind of see for themselves how good they can be when they put it together. And uh, I think the first half when they left the floor, they were like, whoa, here we are. <laughs> here we are, you know, right. <clears throat> so it was, it, was, um, it was an uplifting win if you're an Illinois fan and an Illinois player and an Illinois coach. And, and now the next step is, okay, can you duplicate that? Um, and can you even outdo it? Can you play a full game like that? That I don't know. I would say this. If they could play a full game like that, the Michigan State might be the only team they can't beat in the Big Ten. And, and, and Michigan State will probably get beat somewhere along the way. Yeah. But as you look into the Big Ten, the Big Ten isn't that good. It's not, it's not like it used to be. <clears throat> a lot of teams are down. Yep. Wisconsin's down. Indiana, Ohio State. Indiana's down. Ohio State's down. Uh, Minnesota's not as good as we thought. Uh, Purdue's, Purdue can be very good on a given night. Uh, I'll give you that. Northwestern's down from Northwestern, last year. Northwestern's down from last month. I mean, from yeah. earlier, yeah. from a few weeks ago. They got murdered by Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, there's oppor- there's opportunities. Agreed. And, um, if, and, and I think that would be Bruce's theme as he sells us to him. Look, this is we got, a, we got as much chance to win any of these games as any of these teams. Bruce or Brad? I mean, Brad. <laughs> Brad. Uh, and we got, we got a, we, we've got as much chance to win any of these games, but we got to play a certain way. That first half against, against uh, Missouri, that, that's the bar. And now we've got to try to measure up to that or, or if possible, uh, exceed it. And let's be fair, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't playing. But it doesn't sure. matter. That's a good team. And I'll tell you what, it was kind of a couple exclamation points. Trent Frazier's three over Jeremiah Tillman had the crowd in a tizzy. That was that was big time. That was a big moment to end the first half, a huge brother. And that kid came up down the stretch. He did. So well. He I think he scored their last eight points. Had the Ten big, of 11 free throws. Big rebound at the end to seal it. And you, kind know, of, you know, Leron Black hit a big three, two yeah, from the top at a time. Key, I thought, man, yep. that's a big basket yep. when Missouri's trying to come back. In my notes, I think I wrote big, 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 big yeah. 100 times. That was a huge I mean, um, uh, Leron played really well, too, you know, and and you know what we're seeing from Brad is that he he trusts certain players, and his trust level may change as the season moves along, or maybe even within a game. But right now, he trusts Trent Frazier, he trusts Leron Black, and offensively, to maybe a slightly lesser extent, he trusts Finky, and I think he trusts Mark Smith a little bit. I think he's very reluctant on some other people, but you don't have to trust more than four. You know that now. Now you just decide, and that's why at the end of the game, he looked at the clock, he counted possessions, he saw that what the margin was. He said, "If I keep the ball in Trent's hands, Trent is going to get a shot or get fouled every possession, and he can and he can handle the ball, and and that's why he 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 was." Happy to play it that way, yeah. you know. He wanted he wanted that win, and, and it worked out just fine. The most impressive thing I saw from Frazier was his ability to get to the hoop. He didn't finish all of the times he got to the hoop. Yeah, it's a big fella from Tillman to finish over, but he got there, and that's a big step is getting off that first dribble. Totally unafraid. That. He got getting knocked down. Oh yeah, so, you know, he, every yeah. almost every one of those shots he was on the floor. He yeah, I, he'll finish those eventually. But just his ability to get there, his as you said, not being afraid to get there. But, hey, we can't overlook Grand Canyon on Saturday. This is a team that they're recruiting better. They're getting better. I think they're 10-4, and four, I want to say. Yep, yep. They, I mean, this is a really good team. This is not a team to overlook. It's a veteran team. They start four seniors. Um, Dan Marley's their coach, the longtime Phoenix Sun all-star guard. Um, they won 22 games last year. They are building that program. Michael Finke's brother, Tim Finke, will play for them next year um, as they turn their roster over. And uh, the other starter is a 6'10 
uh, freshman f center from Italy. Um, and so, you know, the, the, if Illinois is already starting to, to, in their minds, resume Big Ten play, this game could be a, could be a, a shocker for them. But if, if Brad is successful on getting them to focus on this game and taking care of business in this game, then they should be able to beat this team. But this is not a pushover. It's really, I think, the perfect game to have between bragging rights and the resumption yeah. of Big Ten play. It's an honest opponent. It's not a long wood that you're going to beat by 60. Right. It's an honest opponent that makes you pay attention. And if you do pay attention, you should win the game. And that's what they need right now. A thing that's interesting to me is in some of those Friday-Sunday games that Illinois had, that Sunday game they were very slow out of the gate, very, very slow. But when Brad and the, especially these young guys to take the time to digest the scouting report, when they've got a little time, they come out looking pretty good early. You know what I mean? I mean, Yeah. It, those one-day preps are hard. They're, they're hard, and for freshmen to get a get chance to practice, I mean, that – they're pretty good when they have a little time, and those one-day turnarounds are going to get easier, and they're never going to be easy because they're a tough thing to do. But I like what they look like when they have a little more time to prepare. You know, I just had to type this probable starting lineup for the Grand Canyon game, and I was giving it some thought. And um, because um, honestly, um, I don't think Brad always starts the f the guys who he thinks are the f who's who are the five best right now. You know, I don't think he does that. Um, for various reasons, uh, and he has said that I like having some firepower off my bench, you know, but because right now you would be tempted to start Trent Frazier. Oh, yeah. But I think he likes the energy Trent brings into the game. I think he likes the energy that Kipper brings into the game when he's playing well, and I think he likes sort of the savvy veteran stuff that Aaron Jordan brings into the game. And then, you know, what's developed into a pretty decent bench is you've also got DeMonte Williams in there, too, you know. And that's without saying anything about about the two freshman bigger guys. So um, I think he kind of likes his nine guys yeah. that he's got right now. Um, I, I ended up writing the same starters at, uh, in from the Bragging Rights game, which would be Lucas and Fenke and Black and... Uh, and uh, Mark Smith and Mark Allstork. and I, because I just think, I think he feels okay, comfortable with that, and um, and those and nobody can complain about the energy those guys brought to the start right. of the Bragging Rights game, so I, I think he probably sticks with that. But it's worth watching to see if he veers in another direction. Uh, before we go, Mark, real quick, I mean, just so different in the Bragging Rights game from last year to this year. Hallelujah! Oh, uh, that energy was on. I mean. I think Tillman was like the perfect spark to reignite that energy because Illinois fans were all over him. It kind of they felt, really were. They felt obligated. It felt like later in the game the booze were just kind of to get it out of the way. But boy, that was that was some sort of energy there. It it was it was exactly what that game deserves. It was um, you know an, a twenty one thousand two hundred and whatever the number was people, and you're reminded of why that game is great because every play gets a, a loud reaction. If Missouri makes a good play, that half of the arena leaps up. <laughs> if Illinois makes a good play, that half leaps up. If there's a controversial play, both halves leap up. And and you have the two pep bands and the cheerleaders going at it. And, and it's just, it's a great atmosphere. Brad talked about it 
having watched it from afar, and he said, you know, I think this is one of the great rivalry games. And I, I suppose part of that was, you know, he's been told that Josh has told him, and everybody, yeah. you know, Jamal Walker's on his staff, and he's been in it. But when you feel it, but when you feel it, and and it's not an exaggeration. That's the point. Oh yeah, it's not an exaggeration. And when you get to the end of that game, and the one team gets to walk out to the middle of the court and hoist that big old trophy up in the air, and the other team kind of slinks off mm-hmm. in shame, and you know, it was just like, oh gosh. It's heartbreaking to lose that game, yeah. but it's exhilarating to win it. And and I've said this before, and I know this sounds like an exaggeration, but it, if you're a fan of one of those teams and your team wins, it makes Christmas feel a little better. <laughs> it's just like, all right, you yeah. know, you're not going to lose another game until nearly the first of the year, and uh, so it's a uh, it's a rivalry worth keeping. Um, and Illinois has won it five times in a row now. Appreciate it. Well, that's all we have this week. Happy New Year. We'll see you guys next week. All right.